Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw. On this Friday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. What's going on, Gambo? Burnsy, I uh, first want to thank you guys for uh, getting us through yesterday. I appreciate it, and I appreciate everybody that reached out and uh, tried to get me through a tough day yesterday. Yeah, I know. I know. It was a tough day yesterday. We uh, we saw lots of people reached out to you on social media. And, uh, man, we've all we've all been there, yeah. right? We have all been there losing a family pet. It is uh, it's a difficult decision. It's a hard thing to go through as a family. And uh, we're just glad to have you back, man. We're glad, glad to have our lead singer back, right? <laughs> well, I'm glad. I need to show for the distraction. So, yeah. Tough day, Chelsea. Chelsea got Armani when she was 18 years old. That he's a huge part of our life, and so I'm going to suck it up and get through today's show. It's going to be hard, but uh, once we get past this part, I think everything will be fine. But yeah, we're very sad, very devastated. It's been uh, really hard. Yeah, no, I, I I understand completely, and and trust me, everybody listening yesterday, we all understood why you needed to take a day and kind of reset everything. So uh, we uh, we all right, let's do a sports show. We let's do a sports show. We certainly are glad well, to have you back. All day, absolutely. Let's not do that. Let's uh, weigh in on what our top story of the day is here on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Three and a half seconds left. Kyrie Irving set to inbound, gets it in for Claxton. He'll dribble it out, and that'll do it. Suns win. 117-112 the final. They end their three-game losing streak and picked up their first win at home in a month. It was close. It was tight. It was a what little fourth quarter, huh? Icy down the stretch. Jeez. But, I mean, they're blowing them out. They're up by 24, and everything looks great. I mean, they got off to a great start. A really great start. And then it was nice to see Cam Johnson get that ovation, come off the bench. 545 in the first quarter for Torrey Craig, and he hits his first three-pointer. And then after he misses one, he hits a mid-range jumper. And then he knocks down another three. And then he hits two free throws. And, oh, it just felt so good to see Cam Johnson back on the court. And Suns had a great first quarter. They had a great second quarter. It looked like they were going to blow the doors off of him. I mean, they were up by, you know, 24 points. But, man, Kyrie Irving in yeah. that fourth quarter, he just... Basket after basket after basket. They just made these runs, and they they got back in the game. They cut it to 10, and I'm still thinking, you know, okay, it's, you know, 100 to 90, seven minutes left. All right, you're still okay. Then Kyrie drives on DA, and Kyrie hits a jumper, and then following a, a McHale miss, Kyrie feeds Claxton for an alley-oop. It's a five-point game, and you're like, geez. And it was a five-point game with a 321 left, but the defense won it. Back-to-back-to-back turnovers forced. Cam had a steal of Kyrie. DA had a steal of Joe Harris. Cam poked the ball away from Kyrie to Sabin Lee. The defense really, you know, in the fourth quarter, clamped down and, and got a couple of big, big stops when they really needed it to stop the bleeding. Yeah, and and I, I think, too, what helps matters some, certainly, you could just tell by the look on his face, Kyrie was absolutely gasped. 
by the end of that fourth quarter. I mean, he was 8 of 11 for the quarter. He had 21 points in the fourth quarter. You could just see in his body language and on his face, he had done just about everything he could do to try to get Brooklyn past the finish line, and I think that might have helped a little. There were, there were so many things to like about a basketball team that, quite frankly, hasn't given us much to like about them the last month. And, I, and I'll start with the return of Cam Johnson because there's no doubt whether it was the standing ovation, whether it was the emotional boost that he gave the team immediately when he came in, whether it was his reinsertion back into the game when he had likely already reached his minutes limit, but Monty felt like he needed him out there just to try to bring this one home. Here's Monty after the game talking about how he wasn't expecting Cam to have such an impactful game his first time out. No, I didn't. I mean, most guys come back and they just try to feel their way into the game or they're a little hesitant to keep shooting the ball, but that's never been Cam's problem. And if he ever turns a down shot, he'll probably come out of the game, but... I didn't think he'd have that kind of production, and, you know, we needed it. 22 minutes, 19 points, six rebounds, two steals, two assists, I should say, a steal and two blocks, and it was it was right away, right? I mean, it was eight points the first three minutes that he was out there. I thought Mikel Bridges basically playing the role of point guard for big chunks of that game. Yeah. I yeah. thought did a nice job handling it. They really, and I figured those of us who are wanting more out of DeAndre Ayton, Gambo, we'd like this. They really looked for Ayton last night. Like, they were really making their switches and giving Aiton as many looks. Now, he wasn't making those looks in the second half, and that was a little frustrating. I think he missed like 8 of 9 at one stretch. But especially early in that game, in the first half, they were really intent on getting DeAndre Aiton as involved as he possibly could, and that worked really well, too. Yeah, there's no doubt that, you know, that that he was, you know, he took advantage. He took advantage of a, a smaller Nets team that really struggles to win basketball games without Kevin Durant. You know, they, they really did struggle. Um, Kyrie single-handedly tried to win them that game in the fourth quarter. Uh, but D.A. was punishing a lot of the smaller guys. And he had a huge first half with the 17 points. He only missed the one shot, had the nine rebounds. You know, and then even in the fourth quarter, I thought he hit a big basket over yeah. O'Neal that made it 107-1. And then he hit a huge, long jump shot with about a minute 51 left that made it 109-102. So a couple of so – so if you look, you know, Kyrie had a basket off the glass, cut it to five DA scores. They get another basket, they cut it to five DA scores. So, you know, you, you want to see that. You wanted to see when they when they needed a big basket that he was able to come through and get them a big basket. Eight and after the game, talking about what everybody else was talking about, getting a shooter like Cam Johnson back. Oh, yeah. Oh. I miss that. I miss that. I'm still surrounded by shooters. Or, you know, when Cam wasn't there, but having him there, I'm still writing about the shoe tough. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, just having Cameron, you know, have that, you know, that, that gun, you know, just that, that fire on him to where if you try to, you know, not guard him while I'm in the post, you know, he's going to let it fly and he's going to put it on the ground and make a right play. Now, before we talk about what this win means big picture and before we talk about kind of the special guest that was in the house last night at Footprint Center, let's spend a moment talking talking about Saban leaks. I know you've got news about Saban Lee, and before we bring that up, let's just point out that last night, the, the Corona del Sol Aztec closed out the game. He was on the floor in the fourth quarter for almost every second of the fourth quarter. He had just one turnover in the fourth quarter. He ended the game with 15.6 assists and got some big, important, valuable minutes for Monty last night. He was terrific. I, I mean, that was Saban Lee's moment in the NBA last night, and I, and I, I hope he enjoyed it, and it sounds like he might get at least the opportunity for a few more. 
I'm expecting from what I'm hearing, and he was terrific last night. Um, I even read Reggie Miller, you know, pointed out at some point during the game, like he, he's having a career game. Like uh, he was outstanding. Um, I'm expecting that he's going to get another 10-day contract. The Suns like him. He's done everything they've asked for him. He's not afraid to take the big shots. So the plan is that he is going to stay. So I would expect that it's going to be another 10-day contract for him. I like that he slashes to the hoop. I like that he tries to kind of create off of that. I like Straight his, on the fast break. Yeah, absolutely. Good on the fast break. Defensively, quick hands. Seemed very, very active and involved last night. Um, it's I, I, I didn't know exactly. I'm glad you reported what you did. I didn't know exactly when the 10-day expired. I knew it had to be coming up. And I just assumed after last night that he probably didn't have anything to worry about another 10-day. Now, where this team is 10 days from now, we'll see. And that's and that's kind of, if we're going to go big picture on this one for a second, okay, now the Suns, they end the three-game losing streak. They're 22-24. and 24. Um, I, I know Gambo was, was off yesterday, but we talked a lot yesterday about with getting Cam Johnson back and maybe Chris Paul being very, very close. This this feels like the start of a new chapter for the Suns in, in, in the context of the season. Now, it's going to be a short chapter because the hope is is that 10 days from now, two weeks from now, Payne's back and Booker's back. And then you really see what you've got going down the stretch in those last 30 games. But in order for those 30 games to matter, you have to do as well as you can over these next seven or eight. And last night for a Nets team that didn't have Kevin Durant that played awful defense in the first half of that game, you, Kellen pointed this out on Arizona Sports Day. You, you got to win the ones you kind of need to win if you're going to give yourselves a shot at this. And I, and I felt like last night, with no Kevin Durant and with the Nets playing as lazy as they were in the first half, this was one of those kind of, you better win this one, guys, because you're going to need this one to make those last 30 games count for something. It was nice to see, after so many rough starts, that they actually had the good start, and that was enough to let them hold on at the end, because they, they held on. I know we've talked about this, right? If you get three more minutes left in the game, and this team's going to lose. Two more minutes left. In, if there were three more minutes left in that basketball game, I don't know if the Suns would have won. Um, so they had just enough to hold on based on the way they the, the way that they played and the start that they got off to in the 24-point lead. And I mean, it's a much-needed win, and every win's going to be much-needed right now. And getting Cam back and having and play well was a terrific sign, and I, you know, I think we're right on the verge of getting other guys back within the next ten days or so, like we talked about. So, you know, maybe some good things will start to happen. Yeah, Chris Paul sounds like he's close. Remember yesterday he was upgraded to questionable, so at least there was a chance he could have played last night. They ruled him out earlier in the day, but you got to imagine he's getting close. Then hopefully, good news follows when it comes to Payne and then Devin Booker, and then and then you see, then you take your chances with a roster with a Jay Crowder trade. I know we'll talk more about that a little later on in the show. Get everybody caught up on that as well. Next up for the Suns, back-to-back games over the weekend against uh, no Tyrese Halliburton for the Pacers tomorrow. The Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday. It's a tough back-to-back. And I should mention, uh, Matt Ishbia was in the house last night. The prospective, potential, likely future Suns owner was there kind of watching. Nothing's been approved yet, but he was and had been kind of rumored and hinted at for the last couple of days. There was at least I had an expectation that we were going to see him at that game last night, and sure enough, there he was. So we'll see. Yeah, kind there of was what that a, means. A, a Brian Windhorst. A couple of people had reported that he's expected to be at one of the Suns games, and everybody thought it was going to be last night's game. So he was there, and you know, I think a lot of people are speculating that that means that everything is going through. Um, that there's no hangups. Is that that's expected to happen? It may still take a little bit of time. Don't know if it's going to be before the trade deadline or not. But I think that's a good indication that things are going well in, in the the process of the sale. When we come back, the Arizona Cardinals. 
Bills roll on with their coaching search. There's a new interview today. We'll tell you who it is next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Let's go! Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Cardinals head coaching search. Update. 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 Welcome back to the Burns and Gambo Show. <laughs> Sorry, I love I love that. It's just like the Kevin Durant thing, except it's got that echo, echo, echo to it. Here is your update, update, updates. The Arizona Cardinals are interviewing Ijiro Aviro for the head coaching job today. In fact, true. likely Gambo, it's uh, it's presumed if it hasn't happened already it, that it's probably in progress of happening right now. The Cardinals interviewing the Broncos defensive coordinator. Today, yet another name that we it was revealed to us a couple of days ago, and now an interview completed for the head coaching job for the Cardinals. Yeah, and I, you know, it's uh, and I don't know what you guys discussed yesterday and where we were. Um, you know, as I was out, you know, attending to our, our family needs with our dog passing. So sure. um, I don't know where, you know, I know what's going on with the Panthers now and the, the head coaching search and, and, and Sean Payton on hold with Dave Tepper. And I know, you know, that uh, Aviro uh, is interviewing for the Panthers job as well, that Carolina is in the mix for him as well, right? Because all the teams have kind of reached out to him. Yeah. Aviro has, has been linked to every single opening that's out there. I don't know if he's talked yet to every single team that's out there, but I know he's been linked. I'm glad you asked. Yeah. So you know what? Let's just kind of hit the reset. You hit the reset because I I really was. I yeah, was you were paying that much attention to it. Okay, so let's not. let's get everybody caught up. What's going on? Um, Frank Reich interviewed on Tuesday, according right. to reports. Okay. Vance Joseph interviewed on Wednesday. Okay, so according Reich to reports, Joseph Dunn. Uh, Aaron Glenn is tomorrow. He's the defensive coordinator of the Lions, and we're actually going to go to to Detroit Rock City, and we're going to get kind of a, a, a scouting report on. Aaron Glenn from a Lions beat reporter who's going to join us here in about 10 minutes. I know the morning show has been doing a lot of that the last couple of days, talking to a Colts guy about Reich, talking to a Dolphins guy about Flores, talking this morning to a San Francisco guy about D'Amico Ryans, which is what you and I did a week ago. We'll talk to a Detroit guy about Aaron Glenn and kind of find out about him. Um, they do, Gambo, have an interview scheduled with D'Amico Ryans, but we have not seen when that interview is going to happen. Happen. I, they, they've got a playoff game coming up on Sunday, so I, I got to imagine you know it, maybe it happened yesterday, maybe it's going to happen on Saturday. Don't know, but we did get a report that D'Amico Ryan's has scheduled an interview with the Cardinals. Just don't know when. Right now, the only two names that don't have anything scheduled, again according to the reports, are Brian Flores and Sean Payton. Those are the two that interview uh, that, re- that permission has been requested of and it's been granted, but nothing's been reported on the books in terms of a schedule. Yeah, so That's so what let's got. talk about, let's talk about Aviro who um, you know I know we we talked about a few days ago. Uh, and just just doing research, but it is he, he's young and he's impressive, okay? And and you know we rated him the other day and I like Demico Ryan's and you like Brian Flores. Um, and the hard part is just not knowing enough about Aviro to say this is going to be a great coach, but he has worked under Jim Harbaugh with San Francisco, Mike McCarthy with Green Bay. He's worked under Sean McVay. He's worked under defensive coordinators like Vic Fangio, Dom Capers, Wade Phillips, Brandon Staley, and even Raheem Morris. So he's worked with a lot of great coaches. 
over the years, and you look at the Broncos' defense this year, and they were really, really good. Seventh in total defense, 10th against the rush, 12th against the past, 14th in scoring. So he is interviewed with the Colts, Texans, and Broncos, and he seems to be that guy that's, you know, that really come out of nowhere and taken everybody by storm. Like a lot of people must be talking highly about him and feel like he is going to be a great head coach, no head coaching experience. But I think when you look at his resume and the track record and who he's learned under, I think that stands out quite a bit for the teams that are interviewing him. Yeah, and that's, there's going to be a bit of a mystery, but there's also, if, it becomes one of those things. Like if you're the Cardinals, it's it's you ever you ever watch that show, um, The Voice on NBC, the reality music show where they they push the button and they turn their chairs right. Like it, it, and so they've they've all got their backs turned to the person performing, so they can't see the person. They're just judging whether they want to turn their chairs based off of how the person sounds and whether they think the person has kind of that it factor when it comes to being a music star, right? Well, they've got four different hosts. One of them pushes the button. They're chair turns around then another pushes the button and they turn their chair around or pretty soon if there's like one person who hasn't turned their chair you know it's almost like they press the button and turn their chair just like hey i'm the only one who's not in on this guy i gotta find out what i'm missing right i gotta get in on this person because i don't want to be the one who didn't turn my chair who didn't see what this person was and what they were all about and get a chance to like manage their career and i kind of feel like that with a vero like like he's the guy he's the musician that that everyone's pushing their button, everyone's turning their chair to see just to make sure they get a shot at him if he's really that good and if he's really that big of a deal. I, I tell you, the thing that fascinates me the most about him, and I'd love to learn more about this because I really don't know that much about it, when he was with the Rams and they won the Super Bowl last year, he was the team's secondary coach and he was the team's passing game coordinator at the same time. That, Isn't that crazy? That blows me away. I mean, it really, because in the NFL, you would think where it's such a specialized level now where defense is defense, offense is offense. We want defensive guys coaching the defense and offensive guys coaching the offense. To think that you could have somebody who did both and you want a Super Bowl having a guy like that on your staff, that alone would make me want to talk to him if I'm the Cardinals. Right, right. You know, he played, he, you know, he, he did play college football. Um, he was a defensive guy. He was a safety. He was signed by the Raiders as an undrafted free agent. Got his coaching career going really, really early. Um you know, back in like 2005, and and you know, again, you look at the resume and the coaches that he's he's been under, and but that is really impressive to be a secondary coach and a passing game coordinator I, I think so at the too. same time. I just think that's nuts. You I know, think it's that. like that special two way player. You know, it's that's that special player. It's like his ability to do that. So yeah, for some reason, like not you know, for for a lot of reasons. I mean, he's he's definitely uh, a guy that that's on the rise that everybody wants to speak to. And I'm, you know, I don't know if he gets a job this year, but you have to think that he's you know he's on the fast track to getting a head coach. Job. So we'll see when reports come out about Flores. We'll see when and if reports come out about Peyton. You mentioned it. Let's kind of get into it. Uh, David Tepper is the owner of the Panthers. He's also the owner of the soccer team in Charlotte. And they suffered a very unexpected passing of one of their players. And so the owner of, of both basically postponed his interview with Sean Payton over the weekend because he needed to attend to this matter for the organization 
organization because they're kind of going through this traumatic thing. So for now, the Sean Payton interview is on pause with the Carolina Panthers. We have heard nothing, and I, I, I'm, we keep you. The last time we were together two days ago, you and I both agreed. Look, if you're going to go through the process of asking for permission and kind of being willing to give up what it would take to get Sean Payton, I think you at least owe it to yourself to talk to him. Now, maybe they haven't; it hasn't been reported. I would think if they had had an interview with them, we would have heard about it by now because the agent's going to want to get that out there, right? The agent's going to want to create that market. Sean might want to get that out there for all we know. So I, I got to think it hasn't happened yet because I think we would have heard about it by now. Yeah, I think we would have heard about it too. I, you know, apparently it's just a reschedule, you know, on the Charlotte thing. They were set to interview him today. Now it's on hold. Um, you know, they'll grieve for the player. Um, so, and there's a lot of stuff coming out how the Carolina may have uh, broken some league rules while searching for their next head coach as well. So that's a story just to keep your eye on it. They're in violation of NFL rules, rules during the search uh, for a head coach. Um, so that's you know that that's part of the, that's part of the process too. So they've now the Panthers have interviewed Steve Wilkes. They've interviewed Jim Caldwell. They've interviewed Frank Reich, Ajiro Aviro, and Shane Steichen. So they have interviewed the five, and now I think they want to you know, get the Sean Payton interview uh, over and then kind of decide where they're going to go. Yeah. Well, you can text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now when we come back. One of the head coaching candidates is Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. His interview reportedly is tomorrow. What stands out when talking about Glenn? We will go to Detroit Rock City and find out next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. I'm still working on getting our Detroit Free Press Dave Burkett's on the line with us to tell us a little bit about Aaron Glenn. So while we continue to hunt him down, let's roll out our Twitter poll question of the day here on the Burns and Gambo show. And there's actually two of them because, well, we've got... Four, right? And there two of them? Yeah, there's okay, the was, AFC and there's the NFC. The look you gave me, Eric, was like, no, there isn't two of them, dumbass. So <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't trying sure. to give you that look. Sorry, Sorry. That, was, that was very much the look I got That's from you. That might be one of the dumbest shows on radio. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I thought I was told there was two. Is there no, not? No, you're right. There are two, okay, NFC good. and AFC. Right. Sorry for the look. I didn't mean to. You just see my eyes here. Everything else is covered by a computer, so I got to be more careful Scared with the that. the crap out of me. All right, what do you got for Well, Jeez. it's a football. Football Friday, the NFC and AFC playoffs continue this weekend with the divisional round. I need you guys to predict the winners from each game. You've got either the Cowboys, the 49ers, or the Eagles, and the Giants in the NFC. I think... Gamba, you want to take this one or you want me to go first? Um, I like Kansas City. I like Buffalo. I like Dallas. And I'll take the Giants. Mm. Oh, you got upset city in the NFC. You got upset city in the NFC. Um, Yeah, I think I, I, I... you know, I think that you know. I, I listen. I like San Francisco. I was going to ride them all the way, um, but Dallas played really, really well. I did yeah, I did really well. Now is that because Tampa was so bad, <laughs> or is it because the NFC East is so good? So I'll, I'll 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 pull the shocker and go with the Cowboys. All right. I, for me, the only upset I've got for the weekend is the Bengals beating the Bills. 
So give, give me the give me the Bengals. Give me the really? Chiefs. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I think both those NFC games are going to be really, really good and really, really close. But I'll go chalk in the NFC. So give me San Francisco. Give me Philly. Uh, give me Cincinnati. Give me Kansas City. In the AFC, the fans are going with a Chiefs-Bills to most likely be the two teams advancing and playing each other. Next place at 33.2% is Chiefs-Bengals. Jaguars-Bengals, Jaguars-Bills, those are in the bottom percent. In the NFC, 66.7% rolling with a 49ers-Eagles NFC Championship game. 17.2% going 49ers-Giants. I'm sorry, Gambo, but Cowboy-Giants only sitting at 6.5%. That's what makes it bold. Fortune favors the bold. Uh, That is our poll question, both of our poll questions. You can find them on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Let's go out to Detroit. He covers the Lions for the Detroit Free Press. We want to talk to him a little bit about Aaron Glenn, if we possibly can. Dave Burkett, Burkett, uh, pardon me, is our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Dave, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? What's up, fellas? How are you? Well, welcome welcome the Lions to the NFL, because I've been alive for 56 years, and they've never been any good. So it's, uh, it, is, it is fun to see a Lions team that's on the rise. First time in a long time. I mean, uh, you know, you look at the NFC North here, and it's been Green Bay's for 30 years, right? Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and now it looks like Rodgers is ready to fade away, and maybe it just is time for the Lions to to step up and be competitive. Be a nice change for everyone up here, at least. No, I, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, go ahead, Gambo. Sorry. How, how, how much is when Dan Campbell had his introductory uh, press conference? I was just blown away. Like I was blown away. Oh, <laughs> I really hope this guy works out because I I think guys are going to run through a wall for him. You, you're around him. Tell me what impact he's had on the Lions' success. Well, I think that's exactly what's happened. You know, I mean, he's a very relatable guy. Um, you know, people sort of, you know, gravitate. He's easy to root for. You know, he, he's passionate. He wears it on his sleeve. He's kind of, you know, like a, a fan where some of that comes dripping out at times. And he says maybe things that aren't unconventional for a, a football coach. But, you know, people here love it. And, um, you know, you look at last year, right? The Lions started, what, 10 and 1, something like that. And, and they sort of held it together, won three of their last six, got things at least on the right path. And then same thing this year. You know, they, they start off 1 and 6, and everything looks bleak. And, you know, people are talking about what they're going to do with the number one pick, and then all of a sudden they reel off eight to ten. So I think Dan deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, obviously, there's a lot of buy-in in the locker room and a lot of young guys, and so you know, there's, there was no one. That, I think they they built this team with a purpose that way. You know, no one was uh, in a position really to to give up on the the season. Uh, but the way they were playing football at the end of the year, they, they certainly looked like they could play with just about anybody in the NFL. Dave Burkett, the Lions beat writer from the Detroit Free Press, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Tell us what you know about Aaron Glenn and his candidacy to be a head coach in this league, Dave. Yeah, I mean, he was one of Dan's first hires. You know, these these guys go back a long, long way. They're they're really good friends. And um, look, you, you look at the numbers, and certainly, you know, the Lions defense hasn't looked pretty either the last two years. And and you know, Aaron certainly deserves some some blame for that. Um, but I think everyone in that building would tell you that he's a pretty strong leader. And just like the players respond to Dan, um, you know, there's they have a certain kinship with with Aaron too. I mean, Aaron played obviously, and um, you know, had a long career and uh, you know, I think maybe he deserves a little bit of credit too for getting that defense fixed. I mean, they were the, the worst unit in the NFL 
the first half of the season. Um, you know, they hit the bye week and, and they make some changes and really, you know, kind of kind of redesign some of the things that they're doing in the front seven and scale back some of the coverage things. And then all of a sudden, you know, that was a big part of. I know the numbers didn't look pretty, but that was a big part of why they're playing good ball too. Yeah. So he's got the leadership skills, and I think that's that's the primary thing that he brings. And, and that's the that's the big thing I wanted to ask you about is because I know there's been some reaction around here. Not a lot. I don't want to you know overdo it, but certainly some like people have looked at the numbers and said, really? And I, I, I don't think it's about the numbers necessarily. It's it's kind of that cliche, but the one that fans here want to hear about a guy being a leader of men. And it kind of sounds like cliche as it might be. That's the box that Aaron checks when it comes to that. No doubt. And, you know, again, I, I get that. And I think that's sort of why a lot of people up here kind of look at, um, you know, Aaron also interviewed in Indy and, and last year he had a couple interviews, Denver and New Orleans. And they say, you know what, it, it's going to be a hard sell for another team to hire, especially a defensive coach coming from like the last ranked defense in, in the league. And, and so most people just kind of assume that, that Aaron will be back. But that's exactly what he does is, you know, he, he has some of those leadership qualities, you know, and, and guys respect him and trust him. And he's very open and, and communicative with them and and so I think that's why uh, you know to a man on that defense they, they swore by him and some of the things that he was doing I remember him being a, a star of hard knocks and and that game being talked about quite a bit what 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 did that what, what did those episodes do to show him what type of light did it show him in <laughs> it's funny you know because up here I mean that's that's sort of the I mean, for all those coaches, and maybe it's it's down, you know, the, the same with you guys as well when, when you watch the in-season stuff, but we're all like, okay, we already know that about, you know, Aaron Glenn or Deuce Staley or Dan Campbell or whoever they are. I mean, those are some of the, the back and forth that, that we, we do see all the time. Um, but that that's part of Dan and, and I guess his staff, too, is that, you know, what you see is, is really what you get. You know, the, these guys, um, they've always been – upfront about who they are they've always been themselves and and i think you know even with their flaws sort of embracing them right they that, that's who they are and that allows the players to to really be themselves too and jamal williams to dance and have fun and um you know it, it just you know it, i think when when you allow your guys to be themselves no one's looking over their shoulder no one's walking around on eggshells you get the best version of them and that you know ultimately helps them on the field and and so in my eyes at least that's one of the best things about this staff and, and that you know includes Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn. Dave, before I'm, we, oh, go ahead, Gamble, go ahead. Okay. I'm just curious about this. Were you surprised or shocked at all after they were eliminated by Seattle's um, win? Were you surprised at how hard they played to, to, to beat that the Green Bay game when they had nothing to really play for outside of pride? You know, I, I thought they were going to lose if I was, if I'm being honest. I mean, just because the you know, there's a human element to it, right? Like you find out 30 minutes before you you kick the ball off that, that you don't you know have the playoffs to play for anymore, and it's just it's naturally deflating. And so, um, I think I was maybe a little surprised at the outcome. I, I never thought that they would give up or not compete. That's just not really in the, the fabric of the, the team that they built. Um, but you know, I, I certainly was was maybe a little bit surprised at how it all came together. You know, they they had a couple turnovers on Aaron Rodgers again. I mean, they they played some really good defense. They, you know, the the, the way they really silenced that crowd after maybe you know what looked like it might be a tough start. Um, yeah, I, I give you know the Lions. Uh, you know, we do our grades up here, right? And, and I certainly gave the Lions coaching staff an A for that one because in order to get that team 
team in the right mental space where they needed to be to go out and have the performance they did. Um, so there's a lot about the guys on the field, but also the, the staff, I think. Dave, I'm going to take a shot in the dark on this one, and if the answer is no, it's no biggie because I'm just curious, but uh, Matt Ishbia made his kind of debut last night, if you will, at the Suns game as the new owner of the Phoenix Suns. He hasn't officially <laughs> taken the reins, obviously, but it's expected he'll get league approval at some point in the next several weeks or so. Have you, in Detroit, in Michigan, had any interaction with Matt at all or are aware of anything that that our audience might want to know about him, or am I just taking a shot in the dark here? Um, yeah, I wish I had something great to okay. give you there. Um, the only thing I can tell you, you guys probably know this already, right? He was a walk-on at Michigan yeah. State. He was, uh, you know, his, his dad was, you know, I think they came from a big legal family and they started their own, you know, little mortgage business. But look, Ishpia, he was at Michigan State around the time that I was at Michigan State. Uh, didn't know him. He was maybe a couple years younger than me. And I'll tell you this, you know, I, I covered Michigan State, um, you know, obviously when I was in school and, and for the local paper up there at the Lansing State Journal. Never had a clue, you know, back in the day that he came from this family that had billions of dollars, you know, so <laughs> I think he was, it was kind of unassuming in that way at the very least that um, hey, you know, this was just this, this walk-in guy, then all of a sudden here he's running this big thing and he's got interest in buying an NFL team and I was like, wait a minute, what? This is the same Matt Ishbia that, you know, that that I not crossed paths with necessarily, but, you know, was was, was around a little bit at school, so uh, at least the basketball program, so um, you know, I, I know he's a huge sports fan and I know he's, he's obviously wanted to own a professional team for a long time um, so, you know, I, I think he'll uh, – he's a basketball guy, so I, I think he'll probably do well for the Suns down there. Good stuff. Dave, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. You got it. Talk to you guys again. Yep, you got it. Dave Burkett, Detroit Free Press Lions coverage, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line here on Arizona Sports. When we come back this weekend, the NFC is sure to impress two good games, maybe really good games. We'll deep dive next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, presented by 72 Sold, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we'll talk AFC in a little bit, in which the Chiefs are hosting the Jags on Saturday, and then the Bengals are visiting the Bills on Sunday. We start with the NFC as we go into what is my favorite football weekend of the year. I think it's the best. I don't know if the games will be the best, but I think it, it gives you the best opportunity for it to be the best weekend because it's just quality matchups all around. Whichever one you want to start with, Gambo, your call, Cowboys, Niners, or Eagles, Giants. You set the tone. What do you got? Yeah, let's let, let's go with the NFC. Let's start with the NFC. You know, with the Cowboys coming off of that, that impressive win against Dallas and in San Francisco and Purdy really turning it on after a tough first half against Seattle and taking care of business. I mean, this shapes up to be, um, I think this has the potential to be the best game of the week. I do. Now, I think, you know, you love this week because, you know, this is the week where the games are supposed to be very competitive. But last week, all the games were really competitive they outside were, yes. of the you know the Dallas Tampa game, which you by the way you owe me a lunch for. Um, <laughs> um, just wanna, I, I didn't forget. I, I, well, I got to see you. You know when I when yeah. I you know when I physically see you, I'll be more than happy to give you lunch. But I, I got to okay. see you first. Yeah, thanks okay. for the reminder. Yes. Uh, so I, I think that you know, and I. I think all the games, I think Kansas City could win in a blowout, but I agree with you, Cincinnati-Buffalo is going to be a hell of a game. I think this Dallas-San Francisco game is going to be a hell of a game. And the Giants, you know, and the Eagles could end up being a really good game. But uh, this one, this one really intrigues me because I, I had I had been leading 49ers for so long, and then I watched Dallas play against the Bucks, and I'm not sure if I just, you know, just 
believe in Dallas. I mean, Dak played well and they ran the ball. Their defense was flying all over the field. And, and you know, everybody's always said, you know, with Purdy, like he's, you know, he's going to be coming come a time where he's going to have to win a game for him. And, yeah. you know, is he going to be able to do that if this is a really close, hard-fought game? If we're, if we're just focusing on, focusing on the NFC this segment, and, and we'll talk about the AFC a little later on in the show, I, I, I think you hit upon what makes this Dallas Niners game so difficult to call is that it, it feels like that if there if there is a team that's gonna knock off San Francisco, it's Dallas because of that defense and because of the pressure that defense brings. And if there's if there's a team out there that's gonna kind of knock Brock Purdy off his perch and really give him something to think about and something to deal with, it feels like it's a Dallas defense that is that leads the NFL in pressure percentage, that was second in the NFL in sacks per drop. Back like Dave, they, I was I was looking through a Cynthia Freeland piece on NFL.com previewing each team, and she said the biggest vulnerability for the 49ers for the rest of the postseason. She called it film. She said it's just film. It's just like the, the more Brock Purdy plays, the more film he's got out there that defensive coordinators can look at and go, okay, we can get him here, we can get him there. He's got a tendency with this, he's got a tendency with that, and I just feel like if there's a team that can take advantage of that, it's Dallas because their defense is so. Great. Everything else about this matchup, I like San Francisco, and I like San Francisco a lot. And I think the secret sauce to this game for me and Lowry. Well, no, it's well that that too. But I think the secret sauce for me, while I'm going with the 49ers, they got two full extra days of rest over the Dallas. That's a big one, right? I I, think that's a big deal. That is a big deal. That really because they, you know, the Dallas played on Monday and San Francisco played Saturday, right? That to me, if this were more even in that regard, I might be more inclined to pick up this update, you know? It's a fair point, and I know Jerry Jones had talked about it. Like it's not that big of a deal. We've had to play on Thanksgiving and everything, but you know, you are giving the home team, you know, two days extra rest, and they're home, and you you're on a short week, and you've got to travel. So that you know that now again. I think you know with 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 the magnitude of the game and everything. I don't think that you know Dallas is going to you know not play well. I think they'll play well, but it you know it could definitely be a factor for especially guys that are a little banged up and they get those extra forty eight hours to get right. As far as the Eagles and the Giants go, I, I just have a hunch. My spidey sense on this one tells me it's going to be closer than people think. I I know you're outright picking a Giants win, and that's bold. I I think it's going to be a close game. I, I really like how Daniel Jones is playing. I really wonder about the status of Jalen Hurts' shoulder going into this game and just how healthy he is. I mean, I know he came back and played at the end of the regular season. Um, but, man, that Giants defense, I have a feeling if Philly's even kind of close to right, that they could just make a mess of that Giants defense if they wanted to. Yeah. I mean, listen, even in the last game they played, you know, I mean, Philly was up on him real big. The Giants got a late touchdown to kind of make it look closer. The question really is Jalen Hurts and um, – and whether that shoulder is good enough for him to make the throws that he has to make. Philly's got a better offense. They've got a better defense. They've got a better special. Like, they're better. Like, they're just better. But it really comes down to, is their quarterback healthy? Because they haven't played a you know good game in a while. Like they've had, they've struggled to, to to play a good game without him and they had Gardner Minshew. But they haven't played a good game in a while. 
and we don't know how how good he is. Um, if he's a hundred percent and he's really healthy and everything, like it might be a hard game for the Giants to win. But Daniel Jones is playing with a lot of confidence. They found some weapons. Barkley's running well. Uh, their defense is, is is a wrecking machine. So um, yeah, I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick the Giants. But you know that's a lot more probably with my heart than my head because I do agree that the Eagles are just better offensively and defensively. Yeah, and, and it's it's not. I know it sounds like a knock on the Giants defense. They've got some good individual pieces, especially on the front four with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams and Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, they, they, they made life hell for Kirk Cousins last week against the, against the Vikings. But, but I, I think there's just too many gaps elsewhere on that defense. And, and they just give up a lot of big plays and they give up a lot of rushing yards, which is not what you want to be bad at if you're going up against the Philadelphia Eagles in a game. You're right. Ultimately, it comes down to Jalen Hurts' shoulder. I just, I think this one's going to be, Close and and if I were an Eagles fan, I just I'd be so worried about my quarterback not knowing and, and I'm, I'm honestly I'm having Arizona Cardinal Carson Palmer flashbacks a little bit right like okay the Cardinals had all that momentum going into that postseason and we just didn't know for sure how jacked up Carson Palmer's hand was going into that right. postseason right, right. And, mm-hmm. oh no it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine well guess what it wasn't it wasn't fine it was a problem and. and it's just ah, this little voice in my head is just telling me that the same deal is going on with Jalen Hurts' shoulder. That it, it's it, it's worse than people are letting on, and eventually that might be an issue. But I got the Eagles close in this one. I think they win. I think, but yeah. And then you you know I mean so they, think about that. I mean Philadelphia, San Francisco could be a great matchup. You could have Philadelphia, Dallas. I mean you know, Giants and 49ers have a history. I mean I don't think that there's a bad game that comes out of. No. I, you know I think when you look at the potential matchups, I mean they're all really good like the it's gonna be a really good football game with good teams uh, look brian dable's been the you know a, 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 such a great coach and a lot of people just believe in his ability to come up with a good game plan to finally win a game and then hard to beat you know a team three times and you played them twice already i mean there's a lot of things that, that do stack up and then you you know you look at what the giants did last week in, in shutting down jefferson and taking him out of the game could they do the same thing to aj brown if they do that's a big advantage for them yeah. The countdown to Super Bowl 57 clearly has begun. And Bud Light, FanDuel, Arizona Sports all want you to be there in person. So text the word SUPER to 62620. Register and listen for your name starting February 6th. And you could score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you'll win tickets to the following events as well. The FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. So again, text the word SUPER to 62620. It's all access. It's presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. So the trade deadline is coming. Coming up in the NBA, less than three weeks away, and maybe we got some clarity in terms of what the Suns are willing to do. We'll tell you what that is next on the Burns and Gambo Show.